When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hello and welcome to the Naked Professor's podcast with me, Ben Bidwell, sometimes known as the Naked Professor. And we're in episode three of a roundtable conversation with three brilliant women, uh, Zoe Hardman, Shiru Izadi and Hope Virgo, who will be sharing very openly and vulnerably about their experiences around eating disorders. And it's just been, for me, like a, a, a quite a scary experience from the start in terms of, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know if I'm going to say the right thing or wrong, wrong thing. But I just want to sit in this space and have this conversation and it's been unfolding perfectly and I really feel like we reach a beautiful point in this final episode where we, we come to a bit, of a, a bit of a conclusion. I wanted to ask the girls what was the, the, the point of change for them and they all came up with very different answers as you'll hear. But it led us to a point where we all kind of reached amicably this, this, this place where it's, it felt right that actually, yeah, this is what was missing, which was tough. It's a tough thing to talk about because... It's not a compliment, if you like. It's it's real life, but it's one of the challenges that I think we all face and that can manifest in many ways. And an eating disorder can be can be one of them. This, for me, was a beautiful culmination to a beautiful conversation with three amazing women. If you want to learn about how change can can occur, can 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 happen in in these situations, then there are three very different stories here for you. So let's get into this. Zoe, Sharu, Hope, over to you. I wanted to ask about change. I don't know how this is going to sit with you all, but but you know the moment when you decided that you wanted to change, or that you decided that there was an eating disorder, and and what helped you in that moment, and what things ongoing challenges that perhaps still might come up around that. I don't mind jumping in here because I actually did have a moment that's, that I write about in my book, which is that I went to I was in a counselling session because it was taking me a lot longer to get over a breakup than I thought was uh, appropriate. <laughs> And I thought, I need to go talk to someone. And I, I say that because I wasn't in counselling to talk about my eating. But clearly, it had come up a lot. And she said to me at one point, what if you never, what if you're, you're never slim? What if your body is never the way you want it to be? And I was so angry with her. Like, I was filled with rage. And I was writing texts to, like, break up with her and have her struck off. Like, I was really pissed off. And it was, like, disproportionately so. And I realized it was because so much of the stuff I was going to enjoy about my life or the self-care or the fun or whatever, all the goodness of life, I was holding and waiting until I would be slim and then I could enjoy it. Everything was on hold. Um, whether it was outfits I wanted to wear, holidays I wanted to take. I wouldn't even listen to some music that I loved because I was like, no, 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 save this for when 
you're happy, don't ruin it now. And I was in that state for years and years and years and years. And she, when she said that, I was really annoyed because I realized what she'd taken from me was the, this possibility of this thing that was always just going to happen and then make me happy. And then after that, life would be good and everything would be sorted. And so I did an experiment where I started to do all the stuff that I planned to do when I'd lost weight. And it turns out that the stuff I planned to do when I lost weight had absolutely nothing to do with how I looked. Just at some point in my life, I'd picked up the messages, probably through the media and stuff, that like people who look like you don't do stuff like this. People who look like you don't wear stuff like this and they shouldn't have the audacity to either and you look gross and whatever else so I kind of pushed through it and I started doing I went on dates and started doing the things that I had learned to believe that I wasn't deserving of doing until I had lost weight my weight started just balancing out when I created a landscape of life where I was kinder to myself then my food and exercise choices slotted in as opposed to doing that first and then thinking and then I'll I'll use my nice candles and then I'll have flowers and I'll be the sort of person who gets up at dawn and does a sun salutation or whatever I was like no how about you start doing all the nice stuff you intend to do when you've arrived there all the moisturizing and all that other stuff and all of a sudden when it came to making a food choice it felt out of place to be horrible to myself um so that helped me enormously just taking life off hold and realizing that today regardless of where you're at you're deserving of enjoying your life that's lovely Shiro thought you might be a good one to answer that question Shiro Something inside me told me you might not have an answer for us. I don't know if you've had this moment, Hope, because it sounds like obviously I never I wasn't in hospital with my eating disorder. But but obviously, you know, it had taken its it, its grip for, for a long time. And for me, it was actually physical things that were going on with my body. Like I didn't have a period for five years. It was one failed relationship after the other, because who wants to date somebody that doesn't want to lie in bed in the morning and cuddle, wants to get up and go to the gym at 530 in the morning? Because course I've got to go to the gym twice that day so it was these little things so it was just like nobody would put up with me nobody could deal with it I was so defensive I was really angry and then obviously the physical things like as I said my menstrual cycle but also the 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 kidney pain that I was experiencing I went to see the doctor and I was also having like endless knee operations because you know my meniscus was it was just everything was falling apart hair coming out skin bad and doctor she just she was brilliant she just turned around to me and she was like you've come here to talk about your kidneys, but are we going to have a discussion about your eating disorder? And I was like that, what? And she was like, well, yeah, you know, your kidneys are in serious trouble here. You're not going to be able to have a child. So forget about it unless we really do something about this now. And I was like, it was the first time that anybody had said that to me in that way. And it was what I needed. I'm not saying that's the approach that people need, but everybody had been scooting around it because my eating disorder was dressed up in somebody who was seven stone, you know, very toned, aesthetically looked okay. Um, but, but actually inside was, was dangerously unhealthy. And at that point, it was like a light bulb moment. And I remember going back home and um, my partner at the time said to me, you know what, you need to go to OA, Overeaters Anonymous. And that was my sort of first moment to being, I was like, well, I'm not an overeater. It was really, it was really interesting. And when I got in the room, like Sheree said, at the start of this conversation, even though we were all doing different things to our body, you know, purging, binging, starving, restricting, it was like, suddenly I'd found my people because that relationship, that horribly unhealthy relationship between food and me, was there in the room and it was like oh my god I can talk about this and that was the that was the light bulb moment to the start of a recovery and wow I like I really wanted to sort of bring this up because I speak to so many people who say I'm in the grips of an eating disorder I'm never going to feel better haven't had a period you know x y and z is wrong with me how did you do it and it's I reckon I've you know eight nine really good years now where I just do not worry about it and actually having children has made me realize that there is something so much bigger than me 
and my stuff to worry about now. And that's really, really helped me. So I think for anybody listening that is in the middle of it, like you will and can get better. I really want to say that today. For me, I've had, I guess, two kind of two key moments. Obviously, like I did go into hospital treatment, but that was 12 years ago when there wasn't like massive wait lists and when services weren't really stretched and underfunded. I guess just that reminder <laughs> um, that sometimes people, and I know you know this, Zoe, anyway, but I feel like I want to say it's like that sometimes people don't get the treatment they deserve. And that doesn't mean that they're any less deserving. It doesn't mean they're any less sick, but it's just that services are really underfunded and it's really difficult to navigate. Sorry, Hope, I didn't mean to say anything. I didn't mean to, if I highlighted it wrong at the beginning. Oh, no, 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 you didn't. But I'm always like, I, I guess I get overly paranoid about it when I talk about being in treatment because I feel like I've yeah I guess I don't want people to think that I was so much worse or something than you if that does that make sense yes yes totally yeah, yeah it's just a weird yeah I don't know I just get worried that people get you know what it's like people get so competitive when and I don't want someone to listen to this and think oh I need to get as sick as them for this to happen uh, yeah I'm I didn't even think about that so I, I apologize oh, no, I, no, I no. it wasn't aimed at you at all it was just more like a general preempting yes yeah 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 um but I think yeah I guess so for me like even I was it was weird even when I got to hospital I wasn't I was still in denial and I think it's interesting because the shock tactics that you had they didn't work on me like I just didn't and I don't think I really cared either like I was 17 like I never thought I'd I didn't care about my periods. I didn't care about any of that stuff because I wasn't, yeah, I guess I wasn't, I just could just not see that part of my life being anything that I'd ever have to tackle. And so the first time, the thing that really changed for me was I'd, on my third day in hospital, this nurse came in to see me and I was so angry, like shouting constantly. It was just, must've just been awful to be around. And I was lying in bed and was just like fed up, completely fed up. And this woman came in and she brought these massive pieces of paper and we did this exercise basically where I had to draw how I imagined myself kind of the size of the size height that I am and then she traced around the outside of my body and actually the differences were ridiculous and it was at that point that I realized that actually the way that I viewed myself was so distorted that actually there must be something the matter so I think like that was the first kind of wake-up call and it was kind of like actually this is the point when I had to start eating and getting really involved in the treatment and the routine and the structure and the therapy and stuff and then I think the second time probably more recently wasn't and like I said at the start like I'm obviously not I'm not relapsing like I'm not in that state at the moment but I'm in that bit which I'm like even just from Zoe being here today like I feel so excited that someone else has done it I'm like this is amazing um but it's like I guess for me this time around it's like realizing that yes I was plateauing a little bit I was in this kind of weird kind of halfway house and recovery and I think what changed this time was actually thinking about what I want my future to really look like and um there's a a, a girl called Isa Robinson who does a lot of eating disorder stuff she does a lot about nutrition and kind of healthy eating and stuff and I heard her speak like a couple of weeks ago and she was like what do you want your future to look like and I was like, you know, it's really interesting because I'd never I'd never really thought of it like that. I'd always been like, doesn't matter, like as long as I'm able to go on holiday now, like enjoy things, like do whatever. But actually, I realized that actually it's so much bigger than that. And it's about like, I don't want my kids to grow up with me being like funny. Funny is not the right word, but funny about food or I don't want to grow up hating my body. Like actually it needs to stop. So I think that shift for me just with the the kind of yeah assessing my future has been really really key actually I hope that makes sense yeah it does hypothetical change is 
one of the things that's one of the things that's that's used in like motivational interviewing and other therapeutic approaches to help people to appreciate the cumulative effects of their behaviors so if you like compare what life will be in three years if I commit to this new habit and what life will be in three years if I don't and that zooming out tends to help people enormously to understand the impact that that one isolated habit has on their connection with other areas of their lives because a lot of the time when you're making the decision in an isolated sense on the spot it's easy to trivialize and kind of go well what does it matter you know at this at this stage of life and then if you compare the the two potential outcomes depending on one one change you make then you realize that this date is coming around whether you like it or not and so you find yourself in a position where you can make a choice that moves you in the direction you want to go in and that's that's used a lot in um, helping to change behaviors around stuff too. I know you know that but I thought it might be useful. No no it's so interesting with you Zoe like you mentioned about how you went to your doctor and they were really direct yeah I guess you don't know 100% but do you wish your friends had been direct or how would that have been do you think if someone else had had that direct conversation with you I mean I think everybody did try okay (laughs) I think my mum was amazing she really did try and tackle it head on I think my friends were trying to navigate it but I was the only one that anybody knew that was sort of going through it was it that or wasn't it that and but she's not talking about it and she's exercising a lot and she's looking very thin and nobody like it goes back to that comment that I made about you know hospitalization it's like we're still dealing with an eating disorder regardless of what's going on and those fears and being terrified constantly it's it's always there isn't it so it's like but but it's dressed up differently so a lot of people were quite surprised when I started talking about it because I didn't talk about it for a long time I I felt like I needed to get to a place where for, for me I just needed to get to a place where I was absolutely you know feeling great and and was in that frame of mind to be able to start discussing it and people were like I just didn't know that was going on in your early 20s it was weird so I'm glad I can I'm glad, glad I can do it now but yeah I think my friends did what they could um with that situation yeah that makes sense and I guess as well like and sorry like I now feel like I'm I'm, I'm not it's not even my podcast and now I'm like <laughs> interrogating you but I just, I just wondered as well like because you mentioned and I yeah like you're of like you mentioned about how you're you're fully recovered like there, I guess I guess firstly like how long have you felt like that and then also like are there are there behaviors that sometimes you get you get called out on by your husband or things I don't know that's or whether you just, yeah does that make sense yeah it's such a good question um I think for me the turning point was about I was about 28 29 and even when I lost my father at 30 I thought that might trigger it again because when I'm going through periods of anxiety or stress I tend to skip meals that's my that's my sort of I know that something's going on there when I'm like not eating my breakfast or, you know, forgetting about dinner or whatever. I have to be really aware of that. So yeah, I I guess. And then obviously becoming pregnant, managing to actually fall pregnant and then watching my body change through pregnancy. That was like, you know, I knew I like, I knew I was growing a human, but at the same time I put on three stone and I was like, fucking hell, you know? And then when you've had the baby, you have to stand in front of the mirror and you have to look at what your body is and you have to be okay with it and I wasn't okay with it so there have definitely been you know highs and lows over the you know since in the last five years since having the kids the behavioral things that my husband he he's just he has to make sure that I'm getting in the right fats and bits and pieces like he's like have you had your green shake and you know what are we having for dinner tonight and but I'd always leave that much food on my plate regardless it's a really weird habit (laughs) that I do completely automatically don't know I'm doing it and it's just a just 
two mouthfuls left on the plate just to say that I can do it. And that's really weird that I still do that. And he's like, you've done that thing again. I'm like, I know, I'm sorry. (laughs) So I'm like that, right, done, in. But uh, but generally, it's more about just checking in with each other. Are we eating well? Are we being healthy? Are we looking after one another? And am I taking in the right calories? He's just, he just knows to check in with me on that area. Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess the thing about the pregnancy, so interesting as well, because I always think, I always hear that people, I don't well, you don't always hear this. I've had it like three times that when people have a baby, they then start to really invest in their bodies and like, yeah, like just know what they should be doing and everything like that. But I guess for me, like I'm, I am fearful of that because I'm like, well, I actually know, like, how will I feel adapting to that? And then also they're navigating like the body, I don't know, your body afterwards, but then all that pressure on, and I'm not even a mum, obviously, but I'm like, how the hell do you even navigate that extra pressure when everyone else is back working out or losing weight or this mum shift? I don't know. I just, yeah, it looks like a minefield out there in that area. <laughs> it is, it is, it is. Um, but it's also wonderful because it's also the biggest growth, I think. Um, for me, it was it was another really amazing period of um growing as a person a deeper understanding of me my body how I feel about it the relationship that I have you know it's just been through a car crash basically I knew I had to mend it to heal it to look after it and again that that for me was it's I I started to form a better relationship with food again going through that and then obviously the teachings come in from your kids so actually I think if you can look at it like that it's actually a really beautiful journey going through that although there were as I said at times especially being left with your post birth body which actually Ashley James is talking about it loads on Instagram at the moment I'm really proud of her she's a friend of mine and she's like showing that postpartum body I, I wasn't okay doing that um and you know e- even now I'm like my body looks different but I'm okay with that a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I have one last question, if if that's okay. I don't really know where this is going to go, or what. What maybe maybe there won't be an answer to this, but I just I wanted to ask if there was anything missing in, in your life in hindsight that you can kind of connect with now that might have led you to to to, to the challenge that you faced. Is there anything missing at all that just stands out in hindsight? And as I say, there might not be an answer to this, but I just I wanted to ask, just 
perhaps just provide some ideas for people as to not necessarily warning signs or or anything, but just I don't know to see where that co- that question goes. Does anything stand out? Is anything missing? For me, it's it's it screams the relationship that I had between my body and how and sex as a teenager after I lost my virginity and I never got that balance right between and you may be thinking like where's she going with this but how I viewed myself and my body had an impact on how I viewed my sexual relationships and it was like I couldn't get the two to work in harmony together so I sort of used my my immature ways of thinking about sex and and my relationship with men and then abused my body at the same time. Like it was just a weird, I don't know. And I grew up with two parents that were madly in love with each other, but I had a skewed view on what my body was there for. And one of those skewed views was my sexual side. And it's only since meeting my husband that I've completely got my head around what it is. Whereas before, I think the two, my eating disorder and my sex life were quite closely linked. It was like empty, empty car, empty sex, empty relationships, empty feelings. Like I tied it all up together. Does that make sense? Yeah, Mm -hmm. of course. Of course. Yeah, I I think I can. Yeah, I totally relate to that as well. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I do. And I don't know. Yeah, it's something that I don't yeah, I guess it's something that I don't really talk about much actually. Um but I I yeah, I guess I've always struggled to really own my sex life actually and have really struggled with it a lot and even at points struggle with it now actually like I really struggle being yeah, naked in front of my staff and it's really hard for him actually because he spends time googling yeah, like how to make me feel more confident, how to do this, how to do this. Um but I think growing when I was kind of a teenager, I would go out pretty much every other night um, and underage drink and kind of punish myself. And then I'd go and be with a guy and I hated it. But I was like taking back some, it was weird, like some kind of control. I don't, I don't know what it was, but I did it a lot, actually. Yeah. And I think it was, I guess, like underlying, I probably didn't feel, I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel happy a lot of the time and was probably trying to mask actually all of this deep-rooted stuff that was going on but I yeah I do you know what I I never thought it was anything like that until like probably like the last two years um when I suddenly was like you know what this is so interlinked with my behavior growing up everything you've just said hope is exactly how I feel everything yeah sex and stuff is so intimate it's hard anyway sometimes but particularly if you struggle with your body yeah I would have liked to have seen more people who look like me being successful, people fancying them in films, like stuff like that. I would have liked to have seen that. I think it would have made me less feel less urgent about trying to change how I looked as quickly as possible so that I could do all that stuff. But you just never saw people who looked like me. And then, um, and it was just this narrative of like, guys don't like girls that look like that, or, you know, you don't become successful, or people think you're lazy, or people think that you're, you don't care about yourself, or, and that. You know, there is a stigma around it. There are judgments people make about people who are overweight. And I wish that I had seen it normalized more earlier on. And I also wish that there was more compassion for the fact that um, kind of like with an addiction, I find it really annoying. Annoying is light, actually. It absolutely enrages me when people think that it's a case of too much of a good thing. And it's like nobody wants to be disempowered. Nobody wants to feel that they're out of control of their behaviors. No one does. No one wants to feel at the mercy of a substance or a behavior so I, I feel there was I feel there could have been a bit more compassion around that because I think people the mistakes people make so often 
is that they think that knowledge of what to do and the desire to change will suffice. And then they start blaming themselves or others for being weak or stupid, for not taking that knowledge and that desire and turning it into change. And there's just so much more going on. And I wish that there were more conversations about that so that I could maybe try and work out where I sat in that. Because kind of like Zoe, when I went to CODA and OA, CODA's like a 12-step fellowship program for codependence. And if anyone's aware of it, or SLA, I went to SLA as well. So that's another addiction. It's enormous. I'm quite a bad fellowship person because I just dip in and out and don't sponsor anyone and I take what I want, (laughs) which is really bad. And people get told off about that all the time. But yeah, that's where I found it. I was like, people aren't talking about food in OA. Not what they're talking about. That's all anyone wanted to talk to me about when it was about how I could be healthier or whatever. What are you eating? How many calories in it? How much are you eating? That's the word about. People don't talk about alcohol in AA. That's the manifestation of a, that's the solution. That's not the problem. So um, I wish that, I think that's what I mean to say with, with my ramblings. I wish that people understood that it's, it's not a problem. It's a solution. Yeah. That's really powerful. What what I'm hearing, and this is, oh God, I don't, this is difficult to share, and I don't know again if this is possibly a bad thing to say, but in answering, in asking that question, what comes to me is, I wonder if something that's missing in a common theme is always self love. If we really, really love ourselves, do we go down that same path? And it's hard, and I and I say that really, really compassionately because I know that none of us are taught to love ourselves either. In fact, we're taught not to love ourselves. You know, if we look at the beauty industry, we look, we look, we look at everything going on. Everything is advertising to us, telling us that we need to go and consume, buy stuff to make ourselves. Then we'll be good if we can do all that stuff. No one's taught us that we're, we are lovable in whatever form we are. And with that need for love, because we don't have it within, I wonder if we go seeking control in other, in other areas. Yeah, yeah. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Control's a big one too, isn't it? It's such a huge word. You speak to so many people who, whether it's the food or shopping or gambling or whatever it is, a lot of the time I see this this pattern that I that I get into as well. When things are chaotic, you just kind of go, okay, what can I be sure of? And that's so human. Um, it's so human. You're just anchoring yourself. It just so happens that some of the stuff that we use to control ends up having negative impacts on the rest of our lives and even working in addiction right people will say say you're fixing on caffeine or cigarettes or whatever right that's quite obvious and people go okay you've transferred an addiction or now you're doing that some people are fixing on giving to charity some people are fixing on being really nice all the time you know they're not sat here having conversations but they are doing the same thing (laughs) in that they are different output yeah, exactly. It just so happens that the output here is there's a judgment around it and it has negative impacts on our, our health that it doesn't harm our, and it harms ourselves and other people. But if it didn't, if you look at the root and you take the judgment and the narrative out of it, what you're getting is a human being who wants a sense of control. And if they think that's a problem, then it's as much a problem in that sense as if you're trying to control what you're eating. So I think that's what we have to get into the mindset of just because it's it's, it's the intention, it's what the human is trying to get, as opposed to what we see outwardly in the Western world, what judgments we've decided to put on how that manifests itself. Yeah, do you know, I, I totally agree with that. I think I, like, I often talk about how people with, with, with any mental health issue and other behaviours, we're, we're like, they're functioning at such a high level. And you're functioning and you're not probably that happy. But every time maybe you feel a negative emotion, you put in an extra couple of hours in the evening of exercise, or you're like a workaholic. 
And even at like, I don't know, even like directors and businesses, I'm sure so many of them have a have an issue they haven't tackled, but they're workaholics. And because we praise a workaholic and we don't think it's a bad thing, no one's really tackling any of that underlying stuff still. But like Cherie says, because it's a, an eating disorder or because it's a drinking issue or something like that, that's when actually it's judged and people are picking you apart on it. And I guess that kind of as well links back to what what Zoe and like was saying earlier and Sharia as well, like about how then it's again, it's back to that whole thing with eating disorders, isn't it? About that physical aspect. And we're looking for those behaviours and judging people just on just on that when actually for all we know, you could have someone who's in a really good space in their recovery who maybe is maybe slim, maybe is overweight, it doesn't matter, but people are judging it on their physical appearance without looking at that mental state and if you've got exactly the same person who's a workaholic, we're not questioning that. We're just like, yeah, it's, they're doing what they're doing. We're, we're applauding it. They're grafting. Yeah. yeah. But then but then this goes back to the fact we are by nature judgmental people, but that is something that we all need to work on in our lives is not to judge because we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. And it's it's so easy to say a comment or to think something or whatever, you know, especially with social media, you're so available for people to make comments about your lives. But actually, you know, if we channeled some of that energy and just wrote, you know, a lovely comment or sent somebody some love or did whatever it was, you know, think about how wonderful the world would be then. Um, I'm such a believer. I'm such a believer in that. That what, what, why are we in this negative state where people feel it's okay to judge and comment and make snidey remarks and you know the online bullying that some of my colleagues get, you know, doing the job that we do and it's just horrendous. Like it's just horrendous. And you know, yeah, uh, that's a whole other discussion. That's a, that's the a second podcast. <laughs> you know what? One of my friends, um, she she does like anti trolling. So every day she'll go onto the accounts of people who she thinks get too much shit and she will tell them that they're amazing and what she loves about them and like get that going. Isn't that nice? Just just one a day. It actually began with the mayor of London because we were both like, Sadiq is getting so much shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's trying his best. And I was like DMing him and (laughs) saying like, I'm I'm so sorry, this is your life. And yeah, Phipps, yeah, my friend just started messaging him regularly being like, you're amazing. I love you. Like just as frequently as someone would send something negative out there, it's just it's, it's just as easy. Why not? Yeah, love that. Which is great and, and amazing. But as we also know, on the flip side, then you know, well, we don't know about Sadiq personally, but as human beings, we'll we'll fixate ourselves on the negative ones, and and a hundred great ones can come in, but we'll just pick out the, the bad one, won't we? But knowing that and why that happens, and understanding the brain, and understanding how we're wired to perceive threats, just knowing that doesn't that make you reinforce that you want to look at the positive stuff too that's kind of the value with all this stuff is that you know a lot of people say to me like well so now I know it what's going to change and I'm like no that's it now you know it (laughs) that's what's changed (laughs) yeah I think it's time isn't it I'm so grateful to all of you um that that's like that that's just perfect just allowing it I'm, I'm just really really grateful I think it was beautiful and and I think we reached a really perfect point right now so thank you so much for, for, for all of your stories, all of your sharing, all of your insights, all of your wisdom. You're all superstars and I've, I've loved sitting in the space with you. Pleasure, so Treasure. You so great. Much. That was great, guys. Really yeah. fun. Thank you. Thank you. So there we have it. A beautiful conclusion for me. Um, a beautiful summary. And what was a, an amazing conversation, a vulnerable, scary one for me. I didn't know where it's going to go. And it was particularly scary at the end there to, to share 
that I felt self-love was perhaps something that might be missing because uh, it's not a nice thing to say. It's not nice for any of us to recognize that perhaps we could love ourselves more. It's, it's a difficult thing for us to admit, particularly I think us men, you know. Um, so for me to, to enter into that conversation was difficult, but it did feel like the right thing. And I, I, I want to try and speak my truth and share what's real and not to say it's always right, but to allow for that conversation to, to evolve. So I'm incredibly grateful for Shiru, Zoe and Hope in giving me the space and allowing this conversation to materialize, to hear all the individual stories. Really beautiful, really powerful for me and a really beautiful conclusion there. So thank you. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope it helped. I hope it gave some insights into to real life stories around this and hopefully a very just open conversation that allows some truth to be heard. Everyone's story is different and I think it's, it'd be wrong to say there's a right and, and right and wrong in the solutions here but just everyone's got a different experience and we all end up in different places as a result. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. If you feel this might resonate or help someone, we'd love any support you could could provide, whether it's subscribing or sharing or giving us a review. I'd be really grateful. Um, But in the meantime, we're back next week and I'm going to share a little bit more about my own experience as a man in this world of eating disorders that are presented as as a female problem. So tune in next week to hear a slightly different episode from this, but still very much on the same theme. And I hope it brings another extra dimension and more balance to this conversation too. So thank you so much for listening. Until next week, I'll see you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 